0: Fire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy.
1: Garoppolo
3: quick pass. what's going on folks welcome to striking gold your 49ers podcast on the blue wire network this week's episode is sponsored by indeed and bet online my name is rob lauder i cover the 49ers for the blue wire network and joining me is my co-host former nfl defensive back a man who is currently contemplating punting a rabbit (laughs) eric crocker (laughs) what's up what's up bro
2: Dude, this rabbit. Dude, so, that me dying, bro. So I was this, losing it. So, so my wife, so I told her when she, when, when she wanted to get the rabbit, I want to get your daughter a rabbit. She's an animal person, blah, blah, blah. She loves the animals. And I'm like, no, like, we don't need no damn rabbit. And we just moved. <laughs> like, we were in the middle of moving. We moved into an apartment. So, like, you know, in Arkansas. So, you know, it's a three-bedroom apartment, but it's not, like, this big place. So, when you start filling it up with animals, it gets smaller and smaller. You know what I'm saying? So, um... So I was like, nah. And then she was like, no, get it for her. Like, you know, you you won't have to take care of it. Blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, but don't ask me to take care of this damn rabbit. And she was like, <laughs> okay. So she got the rabbit or whatever. And I, I don't do anything with this rabbit. I don't feed the rabbit. I don't anything. <laughs> right. But I hear her talk about the rabbit. So like I know a little bit about the rabbit. And I know one thing. When the rabbit is, I built this thing for him. It is like a and I mean you buy it, but you have to put it together. It's like a little rabbit house. Now it's not like hella big and he's kind of bigger now, but it's not hella big. It's just enough room. Like he can move around and stuff in it and he can eat or you know, whatever. Well, anyways, like think of it, about it as like, you know, a kennel for a dog, you know, it's something like that. Right, right. So course. um, but it actually like it looks kinda cool. But anyways, um, so when he's in there too long, he he gets irritated. And one thing I've learned about rabbits, like they growl, like they'll try to bite you. Like you, it's hard to hear the growl at first. And then you, once you're like, kind of aware, like, Oh damn, this thing just growled at me. Like you hear it. <laughs> So, um, so I, I won't really be messing with them. But anyways, now my wife decided to go back to California for a week and my son and I were in charge of the rabbit. And I'm like, Take this rabbit with you to California. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> and she was like, "No, some, some, some." So she left the rabbit here. Well, I was I was telling my son, like, "Hey, you know, make sure you take the rabbit out." Like, we, usually we take it out and we'll put it on the patio, and it kind of like lays out there and enjoys like you know the the good weather. It enjoys the
3: outdoors, the, the freedom. Yeah, the freedom. you know, sure. I think
2: about I guess if you're like in prison and then you know you get <laughs> your hour or two <laughs> hours time, around, like. On the yard, you know what I'm saying? So he gets his towel on the yard. Well, this damn, this damn rabbit. So I was telling my son, like, hey, make sure you, you know. So I would ask him, like, oh, did he get out? And my son was like, yes. And I'm like, okay. And then every day I would ask him, like, oh, did you put the rabbit out for a little bit? Like, yeah. Well, if it comes to find out, he was lying. He never put the rabbit out. So one day, um, I was going to put him outside. And he's growling at me, nipping at me. And I will call my wife, and I'm like, babe this dude tripping right now. like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about to just leave your rabbit in there and he's just going to be really upset. Oh, just grab him. So I put on oven mitts. So <laughs> I'm saying bite me. So I put on oven mitts. I reach in there. I grab him. He wiggles out. like starts kind of going frantic. I let him go. But once I let him go, he's out of his, his little house thing. And he'll hop straight to the little door and I open up the sliding door. Boom, he's outside. So I'm like, look, babe, I was supposed to go to work in like two hours. So I'm like, I ain't going to lie. He might be out there all night. And she's like, no, I'm afraid he might hop over the balcony and like, you know, commit suicide. And I'm like, that, like <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Like, because I can't, like, this dude is angry right now. He's super aggressive. At this time, I still don't know. My son didn't put him uh, outside at all, all week. So, so finally, it's nighttime. I get off work. Me and my son, we get home, and I'm like, man, I hope Peter uh, didn't commit suicide. So Peter's still up there. And we go out there, and Peter's just like, he just looks angry. Like, you know, when you have, like, a pet, you can tell, like, if, like you can just look at his face. <laughs> and I've looked at him enough to know when he's happy, and I can tell, like, something's not right with Peter. So I'm like, all right, well, we got to put Peter up. So we're trying to put Peter up. I'm trying to grab him. He's growling at me, jumping, kicks in the air, like, <laughs> flipping, doing flips, like all type of stuff to like make it so I can't grab him. He runs in my daughter's room, goes under the bed. Now he's under the bed and I'm like, God damn, like I'm scared to reach under the bed and then he's just going to like jump at me or bite me. So I don't want to get low. So my son tries it. He jumps in the air at my son. My son swats him away and, you know, Peter hits the ground. And and from that point, we just left him alone. Like he's just in my daughter's room. Now the the thing about him just being free he poops everywhere. Like if you, you don't like, usually he's out for a certain amount of time. He'll do his little business on these little pads or in his little house thing. But if you just let him free for that long, he's going to poop in the room. So he was in there all night and sure enough, he did poop in a lot of different places. (laughs) I had to clean it all up. I had to clean the whole thing up. But today I, when I opened the door, so I opened the door this morning, and I'm like, damn, I know he's still going to be tripping. So I opened the door, and it's like he started charging at me. And I'm like, dude, don't you do it. Like, I promise you, I will shoot you. Like, I'll grab my pistol and shoot you. And then he just, and then he just like, made a sharp turn to the door. I opened the sliding door up. He went outside, and he's been out there ever since. So he's been out there since about 7 a.m., and it's getting dark now. And my wife doesn't get home for another five hours. And I'm not messing with that thing. So I know I went on a long story. story time about this Peter Rabbit. But Peter's tripping right now. And he looks really angry. And now I'm like, damn. I really noticed how much bigger he got since we got him. And I'm like, damn. Now he's bigger. He's angry. My son eventually told me, like, yeah, um, really, I didn't take him outside. Like, you know, he was, like, nipping at me and stuff. So I'm like, damn. He's been sitting in that thing for days. Like, yeah, he's he's... He's tripping right now. And I'm going to leave him there until my wife gets home so she can deal with him.
3: <laughs> Dude, I had no idea that story was going to be that good. Yeah. Like, I I thought it was just, you know, what was, what was on Twitter was on Twitter and you were just going to kind of recap it. But that story was so much better (laughs) than I could have imagined. Like, dude, it sounds like a legit scary movie. Like the next time you go into that room, the rabbit is four times as big, its teeth long, its eyes are all bloodshot. The bed is. I
2: I swear that's what I thought I was going to see. And I'm still terrified right now. Like I'm not messing (laughs) with him. Like he looks scary now and I don't know why. But now I look at him, and he looks like a threat. Like, that's how I feel. Like, I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. And then it's just like the the way he's just looking. <laughs> I mean, and outside, he's looking at me. Yeah, <laughs> he's just looking and, and just like – before it's just like, oh, you know, he's just out there enjoying the weather. But now it's like it looks like he's plotting. It looks like he's, he's like planning, up to
3: something. He's planning, he, he's planning his next move
2: for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool off Peter. He need to get his ass away from
3: me. you need to – next time you go interact with Peter – as long as you obviously are not going to go on the attack, you have to record what happens because this shit is like gold. You know, uh, like obviously yeah. if you're going to go full Robbie gold, then don't record it because no one needs to see that. Yeah. But if and
2: Peter would probably be after me,
3: right? Like, dude, like <laughs> I feel like even if you did try and like punt him off the balcony, he's probably just going to bite your leg and latch onto your leg and not let go. <laughs> <laughs> like you'll be it you won't matter there's nothing you can do that's gonna top that rabbit like he 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 is in full control of the situation
2: that's how i feel too i feel like he's in full control and i don't like that i don't like a rabbit being in more control i'm big like i'm the human like why am i terrified of this bunny
3: <laughs> well hey man you're gonna have to confront your fears here eventually because that thing is just
2: can deal with him
3: and what's funny is your wife's just going to walk up and pick it up all gently and then just take it back to his cage. Him. And you're just going to be at like, man, what the hell did I, I, do. I do wrong?
2: I hope he bites her, though. Not like – I mean, obviously, I don't want her to be hurt, but it's like
3: – Maybe just a I, little bit.
2: I kind of want to get rid of him, for real. I feel <laughs> like he's a, he's a danger,
3: too. To I know, man. <laughs> I feel like – Every time you walk, even when he's in back in his little cage, his little environment, I feel like every time you walk by, you bo- are both just going to be staring at each other, yeah. Like, and the rabbit's going to be looking at you like, "Don't worry, we'll, we'll meet again. This this ain't over." Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. If we ever have like a sh- a striking gold's greatest hits, that has to be like the first track, right? Like the very first track is just titled "Peter the Rabbit," and 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 we just start off with a banger. And, and it's Crocker talking about his, his, his killer, aggressive, killer rabbit. <laughs> his killer rabbit that's capable of of taking over the Crocker household. That's amazing. That was awesome, dude. If I, if, if, if clapping right now, wasn't an annoying sound into this microphone, I'd be giving you like a standing ovation because <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was amazing, dude. Like, I can't believe it, but I mean, my, I have had interaction with bunnies before, but they were not, they were not Peter. They were not like that. Like, Peter sounds like he is advanced. Almost like, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like the very beginning of Planet of the Apes, but it's Planet of the Rabbits. You know, like, Peter is smart and he's planning and it won't be long before you like, try to like electrocute Peter with a little prod and he just grabs it. And he's just going to scream the word no at you. And those are his first human words. And then he links up with the other (laughs) rabbits and all of a sudden they're starting a a society of rabbits. that's capable of challenging humans. And like, dude, you have no idea what you, what you have just started.
2: I mean, really? And, and that's, I'm like, is he trying to look at, cause out my window is the forest. Or well, not the forest, but the woods. Like, so, I, like, as we're recording right now, I'm looking out the window and all I see is the woods. And all I he see, sees
3: is freedom and the future.
2: Right. And his people <laughs> <laughs> that he's right, going right. to link up with.
3: <laughs> and there isn't a thing in that woods that he is afraid of because he's dominated. Like, he's got you under control. There isn't an animal out in those woods that Peter's not going to be able to, to dominate. Listen,
2: listen, Peter, keep playing around. He's going to. He's gonna find out one way or another if he can dominate the the woods. Cause I'm gonna send his ass over there. Like, just go. <laughs> we'll
3: see. We'll see real quick how he handles a nine millimeter.
2: Right. Tell my tell my <laughs> daughter he just you know he went to heaven.
3: That's funny, dude. That's crazy, man. We gotta get. We gotta get at least. We gotta establish what day of the week is is the correct day for Peter updates, so that we can <laughs> we can keep track of this situation. Because that's just too good right. not to. You know, but anyways, I mean, fuck, that's amazing. That, I don't, how do I move on from that? What do we even talk about <laughs> that's going to equal Peter the Rabbit? But I guess, I mean, something far less entertaining right now are the 49ers. I'm sorry to say it, guys, but, I mean, going back to we, – we Crocker and I obviously haven't been on here since last Thursday. We gave ourselves a little bit of break, you know, gave ourselves a little bit of a mini-buy too. Um, you know, we, we did our reaction to the Packers game, and obviously that was – what it was it didn't even feel like a real 49ers game it was just weird it was like it's like let's put a preseason team week four against a team full of starters and let's see how it goes and the result was what you would expect um so i mean there has been a few little random developments throughout the week uh leading up to sunday's game against the saints that are worth talking about um, the first one is I, I would say the first the most significant one is Richard Sherman's practice window was opened uh, yesterday by the 49ers. So he has three weeks of practice to, uh, you know, get back into uh into game shape and make his return. If he doesn't make his return after those three weeks, then he would go on to season ending energy reserve. So let's say I don't I don't I don't predict that Richard Sherman is going to be playing against the Saints. I think that he will probably be, you know, somewhere maybe after the bye week or something like that. The 49ers are gonna to want to give a guy like that plenty of time to come back. Let's say that's the case, for Sherm. How do you see or Croc, I called you Sherm, but I'm asking about Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. um, how do you see him fitting back in, man? And who do you think uh, who do you think takes a seat?
2: So I think I think Mosley takes a seat. I Mosley agree. He has kind of struggled. I mean, when you look at the first game and, and and I get it, maybe what what do you say it's a scheme or DeAndre Hopkins or whatever the situation was, he gave up 14 catches. Or well, however Ooh. many catches he gave up. You know, Hopkins had 14, and I would say at least 10 of them were against Mosley, and it could be more. So that that's not good. And then you watch the DK McCaff um situation and you know, gave up a good amount of catches and yards to DK Metcalf. That crosser, that was mostly in coverage, and he caught it, ran for a touchdown. That was a 50-yarder. Um, he caught a deep bomb uh, down the left sideline where really if he would have kept his balance, he would have jogged into the end zone. Um, and then obviously, he, you know, at the start of the Packers game, he was on the receiving end of the game beat by Devontae Adams. Now, again, you know, who are we talking about? Hopkins, Metcalf, Adams, three of the best receivers in NFL. Um, right. The, 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 you know, so what these are guys that are more talented at what they do than Mosley is at what he does. So the fact that, you know, those are the results, I don't think that should come as a surprise. Um, I think the volume of it is what's alarming. And I think even with as much as Akilah Witherspoon gets brought up and how he just can't play. He had a poor game against the Lions. Since then, he never had something happen like what we've seen happen with Mosley, not to that extent. There have been games where it's like, oh, he gave up a couple of catches, or oh, he got beat on this one for a touchdown. But it wasn't like a repetitive thing oh, all game long, like just looking like, dang, like he just can't guard these people. Like we we haven't had that type of situation with with Spoon. And so when, when you your original question was who takes a seat? And I think for those reasons, I, I would assume Mosley um and you know and uh, and uh, Sherman back out there. Now the only other thing is uh, Richard Sherman, the 49ers have been doing field and boundary corners, so um, which is again it's still weird because it's the NFL and the hashes aren't wide. So I don't know how much of a difference it makes uh, when you go field boundary in the NFL. But it's supposed to be like the guy to the wide side has a better uh, vision for the entire field or whatever, right? Reading route concepts, etc. cetera. Um, you see it more in college football because it's more, the, the the hashes are really wide. So if you're to the short side of the field in college, there's not a lot of room between the hashes and the sideline. Um, NFL is not like that. So I don't know why the 49ers really do it, but whatever. Anyways, Sherman and Verrett play the same, side they both they, they both play the field so if they want to continue that and put a guy in that's been doing what that person does then it would be Verette that's coming off so i, I don't know how they're going to do it but yeah i would assume that it's mostly
3: well i mean and this is i believe to your point couldn't they just leave each guy on on their side and just roll
2: so that's what they did all last year and there was never an issue Right. I want to say they didn't do any field boundary type stuff last year until the Packers game. And we saw uh, uh, and I don't, it wasn't even like an all game type thing, but we saw Sherman kind of swap sides a little bit. But that wasn't something that they did at all. And the 49ers had like the best pass defense. Now, obviously, they had a great pass rush as well. But I don't know where this started. And And they started doing that. At the very start of this year, it wasn't something where they're like, oh, we're in trouble here, so we're gonna start trying this. Nah, like they started a boundary from game one. And yeah, I don't, I don't, for the most part, it's done well, but then it's kind of made it a little tougher for like a guy like Mosley who's playing to the boundary and is like, damn, well, now I gotta always face these good ass receivers. <laughs> I, I don't know. Right. Yeah, and, he, and, and,
3: and I do appreciate that point, too, of the fact that, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's – I mean, it has been a little bit, but what I want to say is I don't necessarily think Emmanuel Mosley's reputation has been, like, damaged that much. I still think he's a viable NFL starting corner if the 49ers are in a position to need him. He is just – he was just put in a position where where teams knew that they were just going to put their best guy on him. And see what happens and, and those best guys just happen to be like you said three of the most dominant receivers in the NFL that would they have done that to almost any corner in that position maybe probably you know and and what 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 am I trying to say here what exacerbates that situation and what magnifies it is the fact that the 49ers have no pass rush. You know, they had Nick Bosa for all of last year. They had a lot more of D Ford. They had DeForest Buckner. You know, you've got, you had way more potency along the defensive front. So at the very least, the defensive backs last year just had to cover less. And even if they had to cover the same amount, the quarterback who was throwing the ball was typically being forced out of the pocket. Or at, you know, at the very least, he knew what was coming at him. So it's, it's much, much harder for a quarterback, even if there is no pressure. Let's say there's no pressure on a play. It's still much harder on a quarterback when they know they've got a handful of dudes who are all capable of getting to them on that play. Let's say even if the offensive line blocks it up perfectly and the quarterback's got a good pocket, they still know in the back of their mind that that could collapse at any second because it just happened two plays ago. You know, right. so even even the throws when they're not technically under pressure are still not as good. And opposing quarterbacks just don't have to worry about that this season.
2: Right. Sure. That's, that's, that's might
3: right. Right. And and so, you know, the the defensive backs are having to cover for longer. Um, quarterbacks that are throwing to the defensive backs are more confident. They're more calm. They're cooler because they they know that the odds are of one of these defensive linemen or edge rushers getting to them is not just, it's just not that likely. And the numbers speak to that. The 49ers just have not been able to generate pressure on a consistent basis. They haven't been able to sack the quarterback and I'm not, and that, that's expected. Like they don't have D Ford, who's pretty much done for the season. He hasn't played since like week two. I think Um, they don't have Nick Bosa who easily established himself as a rookie as one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, you know, they 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 dropped DeFord or they traded to Forrest Buckner who was a very solid presence down the middle. So, you know, it's it all plays into that. But I do agree going back to where we started. I think Emmanuel is the one that comes off and I think the 49ers need to go back to just doing what was working for him last year. Just let Sherman stay on the side that he's the most comfortable on, which I believe is the defense's left side, correct? Correct. And then let Verrat do his thing on the right who, you know, the fact that we have now been essentially you know we're both pretty convinced that a manly emmanuel mosley's the one that's going to sit down and that's also a huge testament to jason brett like the dude like every game that he gets through and and yeah he's given up a few receptions here and there nothing huge nothing horrible you know i I mean i guess you know i'd have to go back and really break it down
2: there was a double move last game where where he gave up right where
3: um, it looked I meant to like, ask you about that. He almost looked like he thought he had help, but I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell.
2: So, it looked like cover four. Um, so, I mean, he's he's responsible for the entire fourth.
3: That side of the – right, that side of the field.
2: Yeah, so, so he he has his entire quarter. Um, I think where he went wrong is he was playing the sticks. So, it was like third and like nine or ten or something like that.
3: Yeah, he, yeah, he tried to jump the
2: Yeah, Devontae Adams kind of stuttered at the sticks and I think he was anticipating that. And, um, yeah, so that's why he ended up getting beat. I'm actually surprised that more teams didn't, haven't come out and double move Jason Verrett because he'd been extremely aggressive in the games I saw. And, I mean, he was shooting his shot any every time, and that made his coverage really good. But it does, I mean, make, it, make you more vulnerable to double moves. So, I, yeah, I've just been a little surprised that that was the first time we saw it.
3: Yeah, now I mean, if if the if the defense is for those of you listening wondering kind of what's the if the defense is playing cover two, you know where there there's a a safety back there, then then the the up the corner who's kind of responsible for more of like the you know the the, the forward half of the defense, the the shorter throws, they they have the freedom to kind of jump that route because in, in that situation in like a cover two, you know it, on the the double move part of things where Devontae Adams heads up the field, obviously if you have a safety that you trust. They're going to kind of have that deep portion of things. It doesn't always work like that because there's other receivers running routes on the field. But I mean, you would think that their focus would be on Devonte Adams. You know what right. I mean? Like he would have he would have most of the attention in cover too. But um, anyways, but yeah, I mean, what do you? You're a DB guy. Would you prefer not? The, I mean, I guess you can do both. But do you like the fact that Verret's playing like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, you want your guys to be aggressive, and you know, I think that the the tough thing is. Cornerbacks, you know, it's, it's the toughest position on the field, you know, especially on defense. You know, really, and I mean, outside of the quarterback, it's the, it's the toughest position because one false step and it's a big play. And you you can't play it safe all the time. Like, it's, it's cool to play it safe, but then you're just going to give up a lot of underneath catches and people are going to be like, what the hell? Kind of like mostly against the Arizona Cardinals. He played it safe. Never really challenged uh, De- uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins um, throughout that entire game at any point. So you play it safe, you can end up giving up 14 catches for 150 yards. Now, if you're a little more aggressive, there might be a play where you do give up a big, you know, a big play like we saw in the Packers game. But more times than not, he's going to be challenging uh, receivers at the catch point. And I think, you know, if, if I'm a coach, that's what I want. Hey, it's not always going to be perfect. Like there's, you know, you're you're going to give up plays here and there, especially when you're playing against really good guys. But I do want you to challenge yourself. And if you get beat on a double move, good job offense, you know. But keep playing with that same type of confidence. So that that would be kind of. I'd rather somebody be more aggressive, and, and then than not for sure.
3: Well, and that and that goes back to what we're saying. Like if if what or what I was saying is, if you've got a good pass rush, a lot of the times the offense doesn't have time for double moves. Like, it's either you're going to throw to the initial break and the the, the the primary route, or you're going down. You know, like, you just don't have time to let that develop. Whereas now, you know, with no real pass rush threat, any offense has time to let those things develop. And, uh, and not even that, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are just on such a, a perfect page that Aaron Rodgers can just throw that loft ball up because he knows exactly where Devontae Adams is going to be in his double move, you know, and you can throw it earlier. It was, it was something I was trying to teach my quarterbacks on my team to do. Like, look, you don't necessarily have to wait longer to throw the ball. You just have to understand to throw your pass with a different trajectory so that it takes longer to get there and lands where you want it to, where the receiver is going to be. Now that's way easier said than done, but point being Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams do that shit all the time, like clockwork. Uh, it, it's the amount of like touch and timing that those two guys put on display like every week is just ridiculous so you know the fact that they got them on the double move it, it just it never surprises me at least with those two you know the, the stuff they put on tape but all right so moving on well actually you know what before we move on let's get our let's 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 lock in let's get in a quick word from our sponsors we'll get to that and when we come back we'll hit some of the other uh, random things that have popped up during this week of uh, 49ers news. Leading us off, we've got Indeed. And even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed's here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners at Striking Gold a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. The offer is valid through December 31st. And in addition to Indeed, we've got BetOnline. Football's back. It's in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads, totals, to team player coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire. It's all one word. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. All right. Some other 49ers randomness. Okay, so we got to like break this down, okay? Like Kendrick Bourne. I don't know what the hell's going on with this guy. Okay, so (laughs) before the Packers game. Can
2: you tell them what your note said about that?
3: Yeah, it just says Kendrick Bourne goes back on the COVID list. What? (laughs) That's what my my note says. So to step back and – God, it's so weird. Okay, so before the days before the Packers game, Kendrick Bourne was put on the COVID list, okay? Now, just because you're put on the COVID list does not always mean that you have COVID. It means you may have come in close contact with somebody, or it means you have it. Um, and they, they, it was said that Kendrick Bourne tested positive. Then days the next day, a um, few people came out and said he then tested negative. But then it was said that there's a lot of people that test negative after testing positive that then test positive again to like confirm it and Kendrick Bourne apparently took three more tests and test negative to all of them and then uh, like yesterday apparently tested positive again It, it hasn't come out as to what happened but he was just he was over the weekend or he late in last week he was taken off the COVID list so were Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, and Debo Samuel all of which were considered close contra- contacts to Kendrick Bourne. They all tested negative, so they were taken all off the list. So was Kendrick Bourne, but now Kendrick Bourne's back on the list. So does that mean all of those guys have to go back on the list too? Uh, did Kendrick Bourne, after three negative tests, just r- decide to test positive again? Like, I, I don't want to speculate on this because it's you know it's it's a serious matter. COVID for a lot of people has obviously been super serious. Um, it's just like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't know. I we can't speculate on it, but that's what's happened. Yeah, that's. So Kendrick, I don't know.
2: It's 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 tough. Um, well, it's tough on me because you know I have a bet that he's going to catch forty-five <laughs> passes. This year. Yeah, nice. we're talking
3: about like a national or a worldwide pandemic on a disease that for a lot of people has been deadly, and Eric Crocker's like, man, I got this bet. So <laughs> on these receptions. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so catch your boy, like you should catch 45 passes. You can't if you're on the COVID list every week. Um, I, I think, like you said, man, just extremely weird that you know everything that happened last week and how it played out, and then boom, he's on it again. Now, I was watching this, um, UFC thing, it was like Dana White and how he was kind of getting the whole thing. They set up some, um, they set up what was I watching this on? Was it Netflix? They set up a, um, uh, like a whole island where they were fighting, where they were doing the UFC fights.
3: Yeah, I think they call it Fight Island.
2: Yeah, Fight Island. And everybody that was going there, they had to get tested in Vegas. Everybody flew to Vegas. And then from Vegas, they flew to uh, F- Fight Island. Well, there was one guy, there were a few good people that tested positive and they had to quarantine or whatever. But there was one guy who tested positive, but uh, uh, apparently he had something he he had tested positive months ago so it had to do with something like kind of still being in his system now clearly this can't be the case for Kendrick Bourne because he has been testing this entire time and then all of a sudden it's just kind of started popping up but they did say something about like the antibodies or something something that stays in your body like and you can test positive for it again or I don't know it was really weird so I I actually probably shouldn't be speaking because I don't know the exact facts. I, I should go back and watch it. But there is something to where you can maybe not carry it anymore, but still test positive. And, again, I don't know what's going on with Kendrick Bourne. Like you said, last week, tested positive, then tested negative three, three consecutive times, and then now, boom, he's popped again for it. So it's, it's, it's very unfortunate. Uh, and, and I hope everybody I, – I, you know, I joke about the, the little bet I have, but – you know, I hope, you know, everybody's safe and all right. sounds like he's doing fine, but I mean, you know, he's just, it's all weird, man. It's all weird. Yeah, anyone it is weird. That, what, what kind of effect does that have on anyone that, you know, has been near him? So, I mean, that that too, you know, can be an issue.
3: It is weird. And and obviously this is the, we're, we're talking about the foundation for everything about this season that's been weird. You know, the reason, or uh, it's what's, what has to be a huge part of the reason that, uh, you know, so many of these players have gotten hurt in the first place was because of COVID and the, the lack of an offseason and the lack of the strength and conditioning staff having time with these players and, and practices and, you know, giving a, players giving a chance to get their body right. And then you compound that with, you know, the 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 weirdness of players testing positive and the situations it creates. Now, look, I, I don't think the 49ers had a chance against the Packers anyways, but losing Trent Williams and Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel was already out. But just removing those guys from the equation obviously made the game quite a bit more lopsided than I think it may have been. You know, just adding Trent Williams to that equation would have would have changed things a lot because he's somebody that could could handle Darius Smith, whereas Justin School could not. So, you know, obviously it had a huge impact on the game, but it's just the whole thing is just really, really odd, you know, and, and the the situations that it creates and and that leads into the, you know, the positive and negative tests. Well, why are there so many false positives and why did the player test negative three times? And then possibly again, possibly don't know why Kendrick Bourne went back on that list. Um, possibly test positive again. So it's like, how accurate are these tests Uh, to begin with? And there's so many things that are just, it's all over the place. And again, I don't want to speculate on things that I have no knowledge about. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a COVID expert. I'm none of these things. So, you know, the only thing I have is firsthand experience with contracting the virus. That's about it. So I'm definitely not on here trying to bang a drum like I know better than what's going on. It's just it's so weird. That's all I'm saying. It's just everything's weird. So anyways, um, in other NFL 49ers news, the uh, the NFC West lost out over the weekend, which I mean, do we Crocker? Do we feel like the 49ers have playoff hopes?
2: We, uh, technically, yes, but n- no.
3: Realistically,
2: no. I, like, yeah, technically, yes, yeah. realistically, no. Like, they're not a- right. mathematically uh, eliminated. You can look at the schedule and see hey, if they get this guy back and this guy back, and, you know, they're healthy and guys are playing well, you can see a realistic scenario. I mean, you have the, the Cowboys to still, you know, that you have to play. Um, you have, uh, the Washington football team—you still have to play. Like there, there are winnable games, and I don't know what it's going to take to get in. I even heard that there's some type of scenario where you know eight teams from each conference can get in. That just kind of got like approved or something. So you yeah, have that. Um, seven teams make it this year, anyways. That can be a team that only has eight wins. So. If you were to tell me somehow 49ers snuck in, I wouldn't call you crazy. It's just if we're being realistic with where the 49ers are, um, it's probably best they don't make it because I'm I'm the first person to say, hey, once you get into the dance, anything can happen, but it's like they're just so beaten up. But I will say this. And I guess like I kind of talked myself into it just now. You do possibly possibly get Kend- uh, Kendrick, uh Boyne. You st- you do possibly get back uh Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle. And tell me that, you know, the last two games, the 49ers, you know, they 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 have a chance to get into the playoffs. Um and those guys are playing. Because there was a scenario where they came back right around that time, right? Right around week sixteen or seventeen. Um and if they have a chance to play to get in, then yeah, I mean weirder things have definitely happened.
3: Yeah, 100 percent That's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, there is a scenario where this could happen. It would all involve, you know, so many inexperienced players, probably at the forefront. Nick Mullins uh, playing good, winning football. Obviously, they'd, they'd have they'd still have to beat a team like the Saints coming up, who just absolutely destroyed the Buccaneers. Like that was one of the most dominant wins I've ever seen, or not maybe not ever seen, but in a long time. The the Saints beat the 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 at the time six and two Buccaneers thirty eight to three. It felt like that game was over like halfway through the first quarter. The same. I just- you
2: changed your stance on that because I mean the forty nine ers were up 27-0 at like halftime of the NFC Championship game and that just happened.
3: Right. I mean, sure, yeah, but I mean, it was. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> but it was. Yeah, the 40 – it was just – It.
2: now yeah, that you see that. Saying, like It was just – watching it, I mean, it's like, damn, it's 31-0. Like, this game is over. And the Buccaneers just look so helpless. Uh, they they did, going. They couldn't get a first down. Um, I was watching it just like, gosh, like, what is it? When is it going to click for Tampa Bay? And it just never did. Uh, it was definitely odd. Um, maybe that's – you know – the, the Saints, they just buckled down. They had a read. That's what happens when you have a game plan and and you come out and you're yeah. like, yeah, this is going to work. And then it's just like, God damn, this game plan is not working. And you have no counters. You're trying to change it. That's not working. um You have a new receiver out there with uh, Antonio Brown, and he's not on the same page as his quarterback. And, uh you know, that led to an interception and, you know, just stuff like that, man. It just happened, especially throughout the entire first half. There were a couple other times where I'm like, Tom Brady, what the hell are you doing? Like just yeah, it, it was ugly. That was an ugly game. I turned the game off like in like the, game ugly, was, was the second half.
3: That game was uglier than the 49ers game. Like, and, and the 49ers game was incredibly ugly. You know, yeah. and you're talking about a, a six and two Buccaneers squad just getting absolutely manhandled. What's interesting too is up until this point, the Saints had looked kind of beatable. You know what I mean? Like they had just kind of gotten it uh, gotten it done against it prior to this. You know, but then they just they looked so dominated. It was so weird just to see them beat. I mean, you got a Bucks offense with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. Um, is there is there anybody I mean Leonard Fournette, Jones, Leonard Fournette. Jones, Tom Brady, and they 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 could manage through like they barely managed three points in the fourth quarter. Like damn. Like so the 49ers are going to play a very confident New Orleans team this week, and they're still going to have what could be considered a a, a you know a, a fourth preseason game level squad. You know, like they'll they'll get some guys back. They should get. I believe they're going to get Debo Samuel back. I believe that you know they'll get Brandon Ayuk back. They'll get Trent Williams back. Uh, I think Raheem Mostert is on track to play as well. So, I mean, they, they could be a little more potent. But, I mean, like, are you going to be more potent, potent than the Buccaneers that just got absolutely manhandled with Shanahan? Probably. Shanahan changes everything. But, God damn, like, who knows what we're going to see against the Saints this weekend. We'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about that on, on, uh, on you know, Friday morning for you guys. Uh, we'll preview this, this that game in a lot more uh, in detail. But, like, damn, that's crazy. Oh, you know what? Let's end it on this. Let's end it on this. Give me your take, Crocker. You give me yours first on Richie James' performance against the Packers and any implications it might have on how the 49ers approach their wide receivers moving forward. If it, if if, you know, if if it changes things at all,
2: it, it was good in the sense of just, you know, he's out there and you have to rely on somebody, and he was extremely productive, the only probably productive player in that that whole game um, from that standpoint. Now, some of it was what I call bad money, where it's like, yeah, you got paid, but it wasn't so much you, it was the other team kind of like, blowing things and it kind of inflated your numbers. So if we're looking at it from like an ability standpoint, he is what he is and what he's been. Um, I don't think that he played as well as the 180 yards says, but he definitely had a good game. I don't want to take anything away from him. I think moving forward, uh, I think what it does for him is just, it's like, hey, like, can you get me involved? And clearly like you can. Now, the tough thing is, I think a lot of the stuff that was drawn up for him, it was actually drawn up for Brandon Ayuk. And if that's the case, like you're not cutting into his snaps. Matter of fact, Ayuk might play more snaps per game than any other 49er receiver. So he's not coming off the field. Um, so I, I don't know how much of an impact it has. I know some people are like, well, Kendrick Bourne can come off. But it's like Kendrick Bourne is pretty good in his role as like a third down type receiver. Uh, so yeah, I'd be interested to see what they do going forward if he does take snaps away from somebody, but for the most part, from what I've seen, I mean, uh very productive game he he deserves to be on the field to some capacity for sure
3: yeah i I agree with that and I know and I know that you know are you already know my thoughts on it like to me and and everybody who's listening to this knows that I'm a positive guy, okay i I usually try and find a positive spin on things. you know, I'm not a hater. I'm not, you know, I think I've established myself as a pretty reasonable dude. I don't overreact. I don't underreact. I don't, you know, any of those things. I think. At least I think that's how I come across. I may be wrong. I thought Richie James' nine catches for four yards and one touchdown was one of the least impressive big games I've ever seen. Now, I'm definitely not... Hating. I'm not saying it didn't matter because, like you said, somebody had to step up. He stepped up. Somebody had to catch the passes. Somebody had to do the damn thing. And Richie James did the damn thing. It's just if you watch it on a play by play breakdown, there were a couple impressive plays. There were a lot of plays where he was kind of just left wide open to catch the ball on his 41 yard touchdown. It was busted coverage. Somebody just left him wide open. He caught the ball and cut inside, and that was it. It was touchdown. That like now, so it, it's I'm trying to dance around this. I'm not saying it didn't matter, but it's just there were some random stuff thrown around on the internet, of course, where it was just
2: like I think I, I saw. Really like and, I, I mean, and, so I get like the optimism from people. Um, right. I really like. Him. I've always thought like, dang, he needs more of an opportunity, and I understand the politics of football. I have a buddy that I coached with, uh, you know, I've known since we were, you know, in high school, uh, Laville Hawkins, and he was a fourth round draft pick to the Tennessee Titans. And for whatever reason, if you look at his numbers, they are very, 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 very pedestrian. He was kind of limited to being like like a special teams type guy. But there was one year where a bunch of guys kind of got hurt, so he got to play more. He had 54 catches over like six, 700 yards or whatever. It was the only year he really got an opportunity. And he excelled in that opportunity, but outside of that, they kept drafting guys, first round, second round. Kenny Britt, uh, uh Wright, that you know the uh Anthony Wright, what was his name? Um, they had Washington, uh, Tennessee, had all these receivers. They kept drafting and playing over Laville, even though when he was on the field and he finally got an opportunity, he was really pro- uh really productive. So it seems like Richie James is kind of in that type of situation where he's talented. I see the talent. I've been saying it, um, but. The this, this situation that he's in is tough because you're not taking Debo or Ayuk off of the field. And Kendrick Bourne, no matter how people feel about him, yeah, he's not an explosive player, but he's good in his role. And Crocker's
3: got to win his damn bet. And i got to win my bet. So, I mean, that's and, – and, like, and I think you mentioned this too in our conversations is like Devontae Adams had 10 catches for 173 yards and a touchdown. You watch that, that was a dominant performance. And there were some really impressive things happening from Devontae Adams. And then you watch Richie James's, and it was kind of just, you know, he made the plays that were available to him, and it, it it wasn't like he was beating the brakes off a defensive back or anything like that. But, look, I, I understand that I've probably already gone a direction that a lot of you guys don't appreciate in the fact that, you know, I'm just pointlessly hating on what was a career performance for Richie James. And it, like I said, it was – it was what it needed to be for the 49ers to even have any offensive production from a group of receivers who outside of Richie James could all be on the practice or should all be on the practice squad so that's not what i'm doing it just was like i saw some some takes that were like i think antonio brown was getting thrown around like and like like these weird like like this is his moment this is the this is the guy he's always been it was just a little weird. Like, like, look, like, I mean, just watch the plays on a, on a play by play basis and tell me what you feel. Because I didn't see anything that would justify him stepping onto the field instead of Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel, or like you said, even Kendrick Bourne, maybe he gets more snaps. Maybe he takes away from a little bit of Kendrick Bourne's playing time, but there was nothing that I saw that would require this shuffling of the cards for the 49ers on offense. Like I didn't what I didn't see was the 49ers need to get Richie James involved now. Like I didn't see that. I just saw a guy who made the most of his opportunities, did a great job, but when you get Ayuk back, you get Samuel back, Kendrick Bourne's off his roller coaster of covidness, you know, then then the 49ers offense goes back to being what it is. You know, I you know,
2: I, I will say this if Kendrick Bourne can't play and Richie James has another very successful game. Then it starts kind of, you know, being like, okay, you know, and that's, again, taking advantage of the opportunity. It's one thing to do it when you're the only receiver. It's another thing to be that productive and, you know, you have Ayuk uh, uh, and, and Debo out there and you're still being very productive or excelling in whatever role they put them in. And if that happens, then, yeah, um, there could be a scenario where he definitely cuts into Kendrick Bourne's snaps.
3: Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. I think what you just said right there is the best way to put it. Like if he get if he earns more snaps and then creates more opportunities and makes more plays, then there's no doubt. But I just feel like what we saw against the Packers, pump the brakes a little bit, but if if like you said, these guys come back, Samuel comes back, Ayuk comes back, um in a world where maybe Kittle was back and Richie James is still making these plays or, you know, making a play with every opportunity, and of course you got to have the conversation. Maybe what I should have started with is Let's just pump the brakes a little bit, you know, a little bit, but I mean, I think that's good. I think that wraps us up for today. I think given the fact that it's kind of been a whole lot of nothing throughout the week, I think we got through a productive conversation and we had the, I got to pound the table for this one. We had the unveiling, the unraveling, the, the, you know, the unmitigated horror of Peter, the rabbit, you know, (laughs) displayed to us. So, I mean, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Um, because it won't surprise me if when your wife comes home tonight, there's like a hole in the wall and Peter Rabbit has just chewed his way out. And now he's in the forest just growing to to new sizes. And he's going to come back with a vengeance after you your are. ass. After your ass. But anyways, that's it for us for today. Hey, appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around. Tomorrow, tomorrow on Wednesday, we will be putting out our questions for Uh, Asking for mailbag questions We're going to be putting putting out our call For questions So if you're on Twitter If you're listening to this Jump on Twitter We probably already tweeted it Get on there Leave your question Be a part of our mailbag show It's been awesome lately You guys have been killing it Just make sure you find us on Twitter To ask your question So that we can hit it up When we record tomorrow's mailbag Again tomorrow on Twitter Ask a question Be a part of it Let us hear you Um, Thanks for all the support Thanks for listening But for another day This is Striking Gold Signing out. Peace!